Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, managing editor of Fightful.com, here for the Fightful MMA podcast. We got a big week ahead. We got Bellator, UFC. On the WWE side of things, there's the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. So lots of stuff going on at Fightful.com. Definitely uh, check out the website, the forums where you can talk any of that stuff, video games, entertainment, really anything you want. We have a, well, not necessarily a new face. If you've ever followed MMA, you know who this guy is. If you followed Fightful, you know who this guy is because he's been on the program before. But James Lynch, James, you're you're the toughest guy to nail down, but you work everywhere. Yes, <laughs> I guess that is a good way of putting it. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm very happy to be here and obviously very happy to be a part of the uh, Fightful uh, MMA, Fightful Online uh, squad, man. So it's, uh, it's, it's glad to be here. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you're a guy that we've always wanted on the site, and we're, of course, very glad to have you. And there's tons to talk about, dude. Like, there is a ton. I know. I, I mean, picked a good, Bellator I picked a good 184. Week. Yeah. Yeah, between Bellator 184, UFC 216, Conor McGregor speaking publicly is always a story. Uh, the UFC rights, we've had a ton of fights announced. What do you think was the biggest item of news Outside of, of course, the, the unfortunate situation in Las Vegas, but as it pertains to MMA uh, of the week, what do you think the biggest story was? I'm going to go a little bit off the radar here, but I, I think the, the story that sort of popped out to me, I mean, don't get me wrong, this, this card on Saturday uh, for the UFC is going to be great, Bellator is going to be great, but I think it's actually what Rory McDonald said about Bellator, that seems to be the big talking point, is that he you know, is not 100% happy with the promotion, not booking him uh, you know, frequent fights, and I, I think this is something that uh, you know, is sort of overshadowed this week, in my opinion. I mean, you do have the, you know, the interim title fight and you know, the media and this and that, but that's sort of the one story that really kind of st- stuck out to me, because he was the big name... Uh, uh, like you look at all the free agents that Bellator got, he was sort of the one where I think a lot of people went, why did the UFC let this guy go? And now he's unhappy apparently. So that that's very interesting in my opinion. Yeah. Pretty early on for him to be feeling that way as well. And when he signed the contract, he was the one that initially said, okay, I'm signing this deal, but I'm not fighting until next year. 
apparently he hasn't fought as much as he would like to. That's not something you necessarily hear a lot of, like, on the record as it pertains to Bellator. It's something you would hear a lot out of World Series of Fighting. There were guys who had to retire because they weren't getting fights. That, that, that is a, a situation that happens there. Now, occasionally you might hear that, that because, like, like a Steve Pizzola, who uh, I know that we've both spoken to, when he originally left Bellator, he just wasn't getting fights. To me, when you've got guys like Steve Cazola, like Rory McDonald, not only who can put on exciting fights, but are willing to fight in multiple weight divisions, there's really no excuse to not get them a fight. Yeah, and, and it is a little weird, isn't it, that they're not um, you know, finding spots for these guys. They, they seem to have a weird strategy when it comes to the different markets. Like you see like a New York card like they have, and they, you know, they stack the deck with that, and then they sort of have these cards that are more sort of regional-based. Because, I mean, Sean, there's been some cards that Bellator's had that just have not oh, yeah. been that strong, and you have to wonder why aren't they using um, you know, some of their bigger names. And uh, you know, Canadian bias aside, I still don't know why they haven't come up to Canada yet. Um, you know, you've got a bunch of Canadian fighters on the roster, Valerie Letourneau, Rory mcdonald they signed mandel nalo who's a huge uh, lightweight prospect that trains at a tri-star why are they not going to these markets and trying to get these guys fights because uh yeah it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me well i mean like i said to showdown joe on our holy smokes mma podcast this tuesday i wouldn't put it past them to run that show and they do have like four or five guys from four or five people from canada on the roster but you know they're gonna sign like a david loazo or somebody just to throw on that show like just to do it to bring in a couple of, of, of asses to put in those seats I will say that their their outlook through the end of the year is a little bit better, mm-hmm. a little bit better. I, I love the show on Friday. I think right. that is an excellent show. Not only that, they're putting a lot of guys who have history with one another on the same show, which I thought was really interesting. And uh, you've got Musashi versus Schlamenko. That's a good fight. And before King Mo fell out, that was a, a decent fight that they had him booked against McGeary. I was very interested in that. Heather Hardy's on that show, and Heather Hardy's a name that – I think that if she had found combat, combat sports 10 years ago, we might be talking about her instead of Ronda Rousey as the one who kind of pushed it into the forefront. But uh, she's a good name. Then they got Bader and Vassell. They got Davis on that show. They got a women's flyweight title fight, Zach Freeman, Ed Ruth. So I think they're starting to do a little bit better. But I'm wondering, like, why would it? Why did it take three years into Scott Coker's run to do this? Because I thought that those types of cards that you spoke about what they were trying to get away from with with when they canned Rebney. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it seemed like you would see a lot more uh, frequency of events. I just think that uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I feel like after New York, they've lost a lot of momentum. I mean, people. I was at New York for that card. A lot of people were talking about the fact that this they were you know neck and neck with with the UFC in terms of interest. It seemed like a lot of people were really into the Bellator card. Um, you know, as far as uh, the name value on there. And then after that, we haven't heard much. And you know, they've had a couple cards. I know they had the Campos Gertz uh, you know trilogy fight on that you card. Can't but that run was- that as your follow up. You can't exactly. run exactly. Exactly. Post Gertz in Thackerville, Oklahoma, as your follow-up to New York City. Yeah, like get Rory in there. I know Rory fought in May, but you know, get him on that card. He's he's your biggest guy. You know, one of your your biggest stars on the card. You got to keep these guys active, especially because uh, you know they're they're familiar names. If you're a casual fan, yeah. you know you know you know Rory McDonald because you know he fought for the title and everything else. And with all due respect to Ben Sargent, I love the guy. He looks like <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Sounds like him too. That was their next card. It was one of those Monster Energy series shows, but. I barely know when they're even having those. Well, they don't televise I, them. 
Yeah. They're, they're, they're just, they, they have no, it's, it's like one of those things where I think they just have a partnership. Um, I think it's with like the, the uh, motor speedway or whatever. And they, they just do these sort of cards that they don't televise and they, they happen. And they're mainly cards comprised of uh, guys from a particular scene. I know for this card in particular, that the last one, it was a lot of Valor fights uh, competitors mm-hmm. that were on that card. So that's, I think sort of a one-off. I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. They can, they can get away with those. That's fine. But, yeah. uh, but, but I mean, like you said, you, you can't follow up a New York card with a very uh, lackluster event uh, like we had with, with Gertz and Campos, which was actually a pretty good card, but name value wise, it didn't have a lot of interest. Well, their their August show I thought was a decent like as it pertains to fighters and matchups. I thought that was an interesting card yep. when you've got like Caracanyan on the prelims, right? Man, that, that's a weird guy to throw in the prelims when you have some of the cards that you have. But uh, I think that things are looking a little bit better throughout the end of the year. But with with Rory stepping up and saying, "Hey, I'm here to get paid and I'm here to fight." I hope they do that because I want to see these guys fight more than once or twice a year. Cole Conrad retired because this company didn't get him fights and he wasn't making money well enough. I mean, they, they've had a real problem holding on to their own champions in the past. I don't know if uh, not getting one of your big stars fights is, is the right way to go. But, yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting one. And uh, speaking of that 170-pound division, we got a guy in Carlos Condit and the UFC just – Last week was like, hey, BT dubs, I'm back. Let's get a fight going. And he's got a fight, and it's against Neil Magny. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of this matchup. I mean, I'm, anytime you watch Carlos Condit fight, you're going to tune in. That that's for sure. Um, I, I guess the thinking here is they want to give Condit, you know, a, a win, uh, you know, to kind of get back. Nothing against Neil Magny, very talented guy, but uh, I just this sort of is what this matchup feels like to me. But you're telling me a guy in Carlos Condit, you don't want to give him another brawler, a guy that's really going to, you know, like like even like a Mike Perry would be kind of interesting just to put him in there. I, I don't sort of know the matchmaking on this one other than trying to get Condit a win. But I think if you're a Car- if Condit doesn't have that many fights left, I mean, it sounded like he was going to retire after the last fight you give him these exciting highlight reel fights and i don't really think neil magny really screams that to me what do you think i definitely don't think he's a given win i never like i'm done guaranteeing that people are going to beat <laughs> neil magny at this stage because man the guy keeps finding a way to make himself relevant and and make himself a threat and against the carlos condit where we don't necessarily know where his motivation is at he hasn't won in two and a half years before that, he beat Martin Campman, but he's got two wins in five and a half years. So, and now that that can be disputed because many people think that a, you know maybe one of those fights, a couple of those fights. Lawler, I thought he beat Lawler personally, yeah. but uh, you know. So you I mean, think? he can hang in there with anybody, but still, I say that, and he didn't hang in there with Damian Maya. He got submitted right quick and then disappeared, fell off the face of the earth for over a year. Yeah, that was a disappointing fight for sure. I, I, I think that that fight, I mean, that, they put that as the main event on that Vancouver card, if you remember. And I think people were expecting it, you know, to be one of those things where can Condit, you know, win with the striking? Can he take this deep into the waters? And it was just, no, it's over. He submitted and very surprising result. But I'm going to flip this over the other way. Uh, you, you look at Magny. I mean, he had a really incredible run. Uh, I believe it was that run from 2014 to 2015 before he fought Damian Maya. But if you look at him since, look at these wins here. Uh, I mean, the Gaslam win, I'll give him that one. But uh, Hector Lombard, Johnny Hendricks, I mean, I mean, these aren't really, uh, you know, marquee wins. And, you know, he gets knocked out by Larkin. He gets submitted by Dos Anjos. I mean, to me, those are fights he should have been a bit more competitive in. But, hey, that's just me. Yeah, there are just – there are several times, like, it seems like for years, Condit's been like, I don't really want to do this. I'm just doing it. <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And when Dana White is the, the positive moral compass in some situations like this where he says, if you even question, maybe I shouldn't fight, you shouldn't fight – that's saying something. When Dana White is the moral compass 
of a situation like that, that's, that's kind of telling. Speaking of situations like that, we have a guy in Derek Lewis who had, I thought, one of the all-time worst performances, or one of the worst performances of 2017 in his last fight, coming back, apparently motivated, uh, <laughs> at the urging of his wife, after he got in the ring and said, I can't do this to my family, and his wife says, oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> That's how we get paid, so yeah, you can. And he's going to fight Fabrice Overdoom this weekend. We've had Anthony Rumble Johnson this week, apparently talking to the UFC, uh, with a possibility of returning at heavyweight. What I'm wondering is, could there be a more possibly unmotivated yet horrifying fight than Derek Lewis versus Rumble Johnson down the line where a couple of guys may not even care? Like, what, what are they doing there? But, you know, one could get deaded at any moment. Yeah, I didn't even think of that matchup. Uh, that you know, sign me up. Um, of course, Lewis is you know probably going to want to get a win there against Wardoom this weekend. But uh, but nevertheless, exactly. um, anyone who moves up to, to heavyweight at this point, it's interesting because really, Stipe Miocic, as long as he's holding the the throne, I mean, there aren't really a lot of options for him at this point, and you need some fresh blood in there. And uh, you know, we're seeing I think both those divisions kind of going through a bit of an influx right now. So I think in addition, like an Anthony Johnson could really uh, make the heavyweight division uh, exciting. You know, Stipe's gone on a great run, but sometimes when these champions keep winning it's like what are the options what's left for them so um i definitely see uh you know uh, johnson really thriving at heavyweight um and making things very interesting that kind of all ties in together because we we've seen verdum also unmotivated but he yeah. said in, in interviews recently that he knows that in order to put himself in the title picture he has to get an impressive win yeah because meanwhile you have francis and and alistair overeem and alistair overeem saying that he's been told he'll get a title shot with a win so if Verdum wants to insert himself into that picture, he's got to win impressively, and he knows that. That will also push Derek Lewis, I think, who is vegan, didn't see that one coming, looks, looks much better than he did just a few months ago, too. I mean, when, you're, when your main fear in a fight is crap in your pants, yeah, maybe you should switch, switch a few things up. But we got Derek Lewis, who has had problems with motivation, facing another guy who has had problems with motivation, but says that that won't be an issue this Saturday. But, you know, then again, like, how can we take Fabricio Verdum's word? His signature expression is a troll face, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, there, not exactly. so many question marks. Oh, big, big time. This is a really interesting matchup. Um, you, you mentioned the fact that, you know, we're doomed, you know, not motivated at times. So how about we talk about his age? He's 40 years old. I mean, at some point, he's got to slow down a bit. I don't really think he looked that way in the Overeem. I mean, Overeem won the last fight, but it was a, it was a close matchup. It wasn't a total mm -hmm. blowout. Um, he can still compete at this level. I mean, there is a point with certain, like, I look at someone like Jacare Souza, for example. I think his age is catching up to him now. We'll find that out when he fights Chris Weidman. But I think that when he's, there, there's a, a point where a fighter's, you know, age sort of comes into play. I don't think it'll be in this fight. But uh, one thing we didn't even talk about Derek Lewis is uh, the, the work he's done, uh, you know, yeah. with uh, Hurricane Harvey. And, you know, he, he estimates that he's helped over a hundred people. How did that impact his training? I mean, seriously, if, if he's going into this fight, you know, uh, he's, he's taking time away from training. I mean, that, that, and, and even just the stress of dealing with that, that's got to be taxing on him as well. So I wonder if that's going to play a factor in this, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe seeing all that happen, that's a motivator for him in this matchup. For him to go from that to the scene in Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm sure that was, yeah, that's got to be a roller coaster of emotions for the guy. And hats off to Derek Lewis for doing that. It's sometimes controversial in the things that he says, but that is like the, the stories that I've heard in regards to him, even the ones that he's told, 
are, are very inspiring, very awesome. It's, it's very cool to see him uh, stepping out in the middle of a fight camp and yeah. doing stuff like that. Yeah. Frankie he's, Edgar, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say he's, he's quite the character. I mean, the, the heavyweight division needs a guy like him uh, with some personality. If you think about it, there isn't really any guys, uh, you know, that, that are sort of uh, really standing out in that regard. And uh, Derek Lewis is a very important part of it. But anyways, uh, Frankie Edgar, you're saying. Well, yeah, I mean, we can talk about the heavyweight division a little bit. We're starting to see a lot of new blood, especially in the UFC's official rankings. you got Junior Albini, which I think is one of the greatest stories today going in pro MMA, didn't get paid for his fights until he got to the UFC. Curtis Blades is broken in. You've got uh, Tybura. You've got Alexander Volkov. You have some new names. Now, some of this is because USADA has kind of pushed a few names out of there. Mm-hmm. Arlovsky and Brown shouldn't be ranked, but there, there they are. But you're starting to see some new blood. But in that, you there are often there's often this feeling of like, maybe the names aren't as big and you're going to have that until anybody gets used to it. But what do you think of, of some of this new blood here? And you could say the same thing for the light heavyweight division. Yeah, no, the the divisions are very similar. I think that it's just one of those things where you're going to have matchups uh, where you know it's going to be uh, opponent that fans know against opponent that fans don't know. Uh, you mentioned Marcin Tybura; he's fighting Mark Hunt. Uh, you know, I do those pros pick videos. You know how many times I ask fighters who Marcin Tybura is, and they have no idea who he is. But that's the point: is that if he goes out there and beats a Mark Hunt, uh, defeats a Mark Hunt, you're going to know who he is after the fight. So I think it's uh, the, 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 you're going to see a lot of those matchups. I think going forward as they continue to try and build stars because. Uh, unfortunately, as we've seen a lot of times in the UFC, you have to be a self-promoter. And if you're not going to do that, you're not going to have fans know who you are. And it's just the reality of the situation. It, you know, it's one of the reasons I love MMA. And sometimes one of the reasons casuals hate MMA, they don't know the fighters and stuff, but it breeds situations like Shogun Hua could be like one finish away from being a light heavyweight title contender right now. I know it is. It's so weird, man. That's just such a weird situation to be in in 2017 when people thought like he was done at one point. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, I mentioned that Bellator show coming up this weekend. I've been singing the praises of Steve Cazola all week. And I think Carrington banks is the, they are the right challenge that one another needs. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and there's a lot of really good prospects in Bellator um, that uh, that I'm hoping the promotion will really uh, put some stock into. I, I don't know if you saw the news yesterday. Logan Storley going to be back in action. Logan Storley is just an outstanding wrestler. Uh, he's got a fight coming up here soon. But uh, this matchup, this is a great matchup just because you're going to have – it's, it's going to be one of those fights where uh, the winner is really going to propel themselves up to the division. The loser, not necessarily, but uh, it's – Bellator needs to start building prospects. You know, one of the, the, the things that a lot of people don't want to talk about in the Scott Coker era is his inability to build new stars and uh you you see a lot of times like you know they'll, they'll bring in like an ed ruth or you know uh, uh you know some some of the high level wrestler guys um like aaron pico well aaron pico is a different example but you know someone like ed ruth you know they, they they're they're very far away from from you know achieving anything great as far as superstar status so they've got to focus on these undefeated guys you mentioned steve cazola you and i have both interviewed him we just need everyone else to see what this guy's made of because yeah. he is really has all the tools of uh you know being a superstar in this promotion he's great on the mic He's obviously 
obviously a great fighter with the 8-0 record. Um, I really hope they, they capitalize on this. And, you know, if he does beat Carrington Banks, you know, give him a top-flight opponent, give him a veteran, give him someone that people would recognize, like a Josh Thompson or something like that, and get the ball rolling and try and uh, build this up because it's important, um, you know, to, to do that and to give these guys good opportunities. I always look back at the, uh, the Michael Chandler-Eddie Alvarez fight. Nobody knew who Michael Chandler was other than him winning the tournament, and he beat Eddie Alvarez, and everyone knew who he was. So those are the yeah. type of fights you need to sort of build stars in your promotion. All of us who have covered MMA know what it's like when CJ Tuttle throws a guy your way, Bellator PR guy, you yeah. get him on there and you hear him eating on the other end of the line or they kind of <laughs> mumble and they're like, yeah, good, good weight cut, good fight camp. But then you hear a Steve Cazola and he's energetic and he's happy and he's outspoken and he's, he straight up told me, he's like, I'll fight at featherweight. I'll fight at welterweight. I'll fight at lightweight. Just give me the date, the weight and who I'm fighting and I will finish the fight. That's pretty cool, and I think Carrington Banks is the right kind of challenge for each other because yeah. Carrington Banks is a good prospect too. And if Carrington Banks can weather the Steve Cazola storm and Steve Cazola can weather the Carrington Banks storm or vice versa, that, that's a good good thing. One of the things I do like about Bellator, like the, really the only way that they can build names is to get them early before they even have UFC interest, and they've done that with like the Ed Ruths and stuff like that, but – also, the Russians, like, they, they used to have this great crop of Russian fighters, and it's been, they've been alienated and almost non-existent at this point. Well, I think part of that is the Spike TV model where they want guys who can speak English. Like, I don't think, you know, to be honest, if, if I'm Bellator Brass, you want Darian Caldwell winning that fight because he's got yeah. some personality, yeah. speaks well on the mic. You know, Eduardo Dantas, if the guy could speak English, I'm sure he'd be one of the biggest stars mm -hmm. uh, in Bellator. But unfortunately, it's, it's a, you know, it's a Spike TV audience. So you need those guys with the personality. And, uh, and, and I'm with you there. I mean, it would be great to see them really sign some talented guys outside. But I think that's why they avoid that. And that's why we don't see that. Um, like the Revney days where you had like a Tiger Sarnovsky or like uh you know i'm just trying to remember some of the Frodo names back then. yeah Frodo Kyle, Blood, Ivanov. I, can't, I can't believe they let ivanov go yeah yeah um they, they had some really interesting talent uh that they just sort of never really capitalized on or they i think they hoped would lose or, or they you know i know in some cases like you know they'd uh you know fight some guy and then they just cut him loose because they're just like oh we have no use for you rather than keeping him around and letting him develop yeah. darian caldwell the frame on that guy for 135 yeah it's crazy. Longer reach, longer reach than undefeated heavyweight Daniel Cormier. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is pretty incredible. And, and you know, one of the things with him that, uh, you know, people don't, I, I guess, you know, they, they don't really look at, you know, you look on the resume, he's got the one loss, but that was a fight he was winning and he just got caught. So, you know, people sort of don't think of him as, you know, maybe this big prospect, but this is a big fight for him. And if and obviously if he wins the title, he's going to be, you know, high up there. But uh, th this will sort of uh, make a statement for, for Bellator fighters in general as far as where they belong. And I think Caldwell and Dantes are two of the talented guys who could very well be in the UFC, uh, in my opinion. There, there's a lot of like sub story to the Strauss, Curran, Timanglo, Caldwell fights because Strauss and Curran have a storied history with one another. Timanglo and Caldwell have history with each other, as you mentioned. Like Caldwell obsessed over that loss and had to get it back and got the win back immediately. I'm interested to see how he how they respond. Each of these guys respond with one another on the show. Now, I never want to see Strauss and Curran fight again. Like I'm <laughs> nobody does, except for nobody. maybe them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, I don't think Strauss does. Strauss told me he was just thrilled to be fighting somebody who wasn't Pat Curran or Pitbull. Like at this point, he felt yeah. like his career got into a rut because he was fighting the same two guys for like for years and years and years. 
Yeah, uh, the, the division's fellas- changed a lot. I think that's part of the reason now you're seeing guys. I mean, now it's like they have so many options. Like, how hard was it for Daniel Weichel to get a title shot just because of the fact there's so many guys in the division? So I think that's that. I mean, thank God we're not having those musical chairs anymore because even I was sick of that. I'm a big Bellator, uh, yeah. you know, supporter, and uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to see any more trilogy or you know. Uh, any any of those fights it's just it was too much i would entertain the idea of moving up to 155 oh yeah we've we've seen him have trouble he had to cut his hair to make the weight one time yeah but uh there i think there are some more fun interesting fights and let's be real they they like daniel strauss a lot we've seen them hold on to guys that they like a little too long like a brian rogers like they wanted brian rogers to work out real bad and he just didn't but they held on to him for a long time We've got this UFC 216 show, and man, this is this is a really good show. I'm bummed that Paige Van Zant, Jessica I got pulled from the show because I thought that was a very underrated fight in the cage. But on the prelims, we've got guys like Will Brooks, John Moraga, who may, mainly like you know not to like my wife won't know who they are, but maybe somebody who's tuned into a UFC on Fox will. Yeah, there are some stories on these prelims that I, that I think are a little little uh, under the radar. Will Brooks, I think, has to win. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of guys on here that has to win. Uh, Matt Schnell. I mean, he's a guy that uh, had a really good career in legacy. He was their champion, went on the ultimate fighter, uh, you know, had a very good fight with Tim Elliott. And then, of course, uh, has had two disappointing fights, um, you know, uh, in the UFC. So I think uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on as well. Um, and, and yeah, I just think that there's a couple people on here like, you know, Pearl Gonzalez needs a win, in my opinion. I think she had a lot of hype going in, didn't have a great showing against Calvillo. Um, yeah, there's, there's there were a lot of aspects of that fight. I mean, you know, you know, she wants, she wants her name to be tied to something else besides implant gate. Yes, that too. I, again, the gravity of that. I mean, how is she going to, I think we're really going to see her. No at pun her intended, the gravity. Yes, yes, exactly. But I think we are going to see, uh, you know, a much better fight from her this time around without all those distractions. And, you know, she's buried pretty hard on the, on the, on the prelims here. So, um, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see sort of uh, what, what they go with. But uh, yeah, before before uh, Demetrius Johnson straight up said, if Ray Borg doesn't make it to the fight, I'm not fighting. You know, there there was a real good possibility we might end up seeing UFC 216, Johnson versus Schnell, yeah, or something like that. Like just anybody they could fit in there. Because before he said that, before because I thought that maybe he would just take a fight to beat somebody, get that record. I was saying like if I'm a flyweight on this show, I'm trying to hit the championship weight, not the 216 because or uh a 126 rather yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to make that i'm trying to make championship weight just in case but uh talus late has brad tavares that's a that's a nice booking too for where they are in their careers i think that's a good one uh i you know heavyweight fight you never know if it'll go the full three rounds and be a snoozer or if Godbeer or harris will put the lights out on each other in 20 seconds there's always an appeal there Will Brooks, Nick Lentz, that's a good one. Bobby Green, Lando Venata, my fight God. Of the night. Fight of the night, I'm calling my it right God. now. That's going to be fight of the night. How do you not put that as the main event of the prelims or just on the pay-per-view? Yeah, I don't know the thinking on that. Um, I think it's the. I, I think sometimes they put those matchups kind of buried down underneath. So you, you know, if you're the casual fan watching it, you're gonna mm-hmm. somehow want to buy the pay per view. I guess. I know the main event slot would probably make more sense on the prelims, but uh, who knows? I know that they there's some strategy involved there because it. Uh, I, I think they know how good these two guys are as far as you know putting on an entertaining fight. Can't wait for that fight. Most yeah. that's probably the. Well, outside of Ferguson Lee, probably the most excited I am for a fight. We have Benil Dariush and Evan Dunham, and it's so weird to see Evan Dunham at this stage where he's found a lot of success, hasn't fought in a long time, 
but he's no longer that 27-year-old prospect that Dana White's calling unbeatable. And then yeah. right after that, he got exposed by Melvin Gillard and like the performance of Melvin Gillard's life. But after that, you know, his his career, he, he went okay for a little while, then he started to fight the tip top of that division and really struggled. This is, I think, a good opponent in Benil Dariush to see if he belongs right in, in this spot. Yeah, and and I think it's it's one of those matchups where uh, you know both have sort of been disappointing. Uh, you, Dunham is on a four fight win streak, but if you look at his career throughout, I mean, he's had those big fights and he hasn't come through. Um, you know, and 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 Dariush, I mean, two and two in his last four fights. Granted, look at the opponents he was fighting, but again, a guy who I think a lot of people felt like was going to be a contender, and he really just hasn't lived up to that. He's you know had a couple setbacks, so really, it's it's a you know. Can the veteran still remain relevant in the lightweight division, or can this prospect really show that he does belong there as well? So I, uh, I I'm very intrigued by that matchup, and uh, I see a lot of people. I know Darius is the favorite in this fight. I, I think Dunham might pull this one off, to be honest. Would this be the biggest win of Dunham's career? And I, it's Ooh, weird to say I gotta, that. I gotta, I gotta look back. Maybe. I mean, the Sean he should have beaten Shirk. Yes, the, the she should have beat like, Shirk, um, and he beat like Tyson Griffin. But that was you know Tyson Griffin. Hit or miss, but you had guys like Glayson Tebow, Ross Pearson, Joe Lozon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys who always hang around, but Benil Dariush has been pretty solid throughout his UFC run. This might be because no, this I might agree. be the biggest win of his career, but because he lost to TJ Grant, Dos Anjos, Cerrone, Barboza. The top of that division, he has run into a lot of trouble with those guys. And like I said, you know, the Melvin Gillard fight, I feel like if Melvin Gillard had fought any human being on that night, he was going to win. That was I've <laughs> never seen him look better. That, that there was no stopping him on that night, and I thought that Dunham rebounded very well. But he's been out of the cage for over a year, and he's 35. Dariush has, has shown some glimpses of brilliance and then uh, lost to Barboza. That's going to happen <laughs> in Brazil. Yeah. You're going to occasionally run into a knee from Barboza in Brazil from time to time, but. Yeah, Chiesa, he was winning that fight, and then he got caught. Um, he's had a couple yeah. fights like that, like the, the ramsey Nijim fight. Remember when Ramsey knocked him out? I mean, yeah. I forget what type of the, the betting odds and, were on that. But Abu Dhabi. Yeah, he was a huge favorite in that in that fight, and uh, he did, then, didn't end up coming through. So, I mean, if you're a prospect, you got to win those fights. So, I'm telling you, if Dariush can't beat an Evan Dunham, I think, uh, you know, we might, be, we might have to put the, the bus label on him because he should beat an Evan Dunham, in my opinion. This is the best division. God, that oh. 150 divi- 155 division is so good. Yeah, it really is. It's unbelievable. When we're talking about a guy on a four-fight winning streak against Benil Dariush, and we're like, ah, is one of them a bust? It tells you how good this division is. Yeah, and you know what's so cool is that this division's been strong forever. I mean, you just go back to when Dunham was first in the UFC. I mean, you had guys like him and Tyson Griffin and Clay Guida and Roger Huerta. Like, at the time, it was really yeah. popping. There was lots of stuff going on. You had Sean Shirk, you had Kenny Florian. Like, it's to see where that division's gone now, it's still maintained. Everything, despite, you know, guys like Edgar dropping down, like Henderson leaving the division, it's a very strong division, uh, you know, for, for, for the weight class. So, uh, yeah, it's been very exciting to see. Man, Roger Huerta, that was a fall from grace. Big time. 
Remember, people like, forget this. Remember when Bellator signed him, and that was like their big signing back in the day. Was like yeah. signing him, and then he had like, and then he lost to Pat Curran, and it was over. Yep, yep. Uh, whew. Uh, as I look through his record, man, it's been a, he's had a tough go of it. Yeah, he. I don't know what up. happened to him, but he, uh, he you know, he took too much damage, and now I think it's it's game over. He's with one FC fighting, you know, once every three years. So it's uh, it's one of those yeah. things. This, this was a guy. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I, I ne- I'll never forget. Uh, he, he was like, I will never lose again. And then he lost two in a row and got bounced from the UFC. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you look back at those losses, it's like Florian, Gray Maynard, Pat Curran, Eddie Alvarez. Well, you know, they're, they're just better fighters. <laughs> you're yeah, going to beat true. most, they're going to beat 90% of guys in the world. But, uh, yeah, man, that was, I, I, you know, he had almost completely escaped my brainwaves. He's still a year younger than Evan Dunham, which is weird to think. Weird, it's really weird, weird to think. think. Dunham's still even kicking. Around. I mean, you look at the guys that were in the division with Dunham. I, I don't. I don't think there's like anyone really that's still sticking around in, at 155. That could be a game you could go look up who's uh, you know still kicking because he made his debut. When was it? Like ages ago. Uh, let me let me see this here. UFC 95, 2009. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Pear Eklund. Demetrius Johnson, Ray Borg. The bigger question, what do you give better odds? If you were to set a betting line, better odds, Ray Borg missing weight or Ray Borg winning the fight? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the odds would have to be that, uh, I mean, and he doesn't have the nutritionist, right? So now now it's even uh, more of a concern. I mean, he'll make weight. I think that there, there's no way that, I, I don't know, I'd be, I'd put, if Ray Borg beats Demetrius, that's got to be one of the biggest upsets ever. Yes. And I think the odds reflect that at this point, just because Johnson is getting better and better and better. It's like this, you know, th- this guy is just, he's, he's, he's head and shoulders above everyone else. Well, I hope he Johnson. makes weight because if not, I'm sure he'll blame it on me on Twitter again. So <laughs> what happened there? I didn't see that. He went off because Ty- <laughs> I've told the story on the show before, but I'll catch you up. Tyron Woodley after, Borg missed weight. There was a talking point on UFC, the weigh-in show. Yeah. They said, should Mighty Mouse wait for Borg? Yeah. And Woodley said, well, if he, was a, if he were a repeat offender, I would say no. And I messaged, or I quoted Tyron or, and, and tweeted him and said, you know, he's pulled out or withdrawn or missed weight in five of his last seven fights. Okay. And Tyron was a good sport about it. He said, where are you in my ear giving me stats? Yeah. And Ray Borg went off. Well, it's he true. went. I mean, off. yeah, yeah. He was like, "Why don't you come to a fight camp and I'll come do your job?" And he misspelled "your," and I was like, "Well, I hope you don't do my job. You got to spell your right." But I mean, if it was my job to make a certain weight and I had agreed to it, I would, I would do it. Not definitely more than twice out of seven opportunities. Like that's just the thing. He's got to show up and make the weight because if he, if for some reason he doesn't. He's he. I don't think he can ever fight at 125 again. No, no, they'll have to they'll have to pull a Lineker and make him you know move up or you yeah. know gas him or some, some you know one of those examples where someone's just repeatedly yes. missing. And especially for a title fight like this, like man, does that ever look bad? Like they've yeah. had so many issues with uh, you know certain you know fight uh, fighters pulling out and stuff. It just looks bad. It's like one of those those things that MMA fans and everyone just will never forget. It's like the missing weight is like the cardinal sin. Yeah, and he's a talented dude. I just don't. I don't think he can beat Demetrius Johnson. No, I don't know if anybody I don't think anyone can, unless nobody. someone from 35, you know, meets him or he moves up. Um, yeah. yeah. Pretty crazy. Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee. This is a banger. Ooh. I can't wait for this. Tony Ferguson. Oh, uh, you talk about 
turning uh, lemons into lemonade is this guy. Every time he's like in a disadvantage in in a disadvantageous position, he'll like roll out of it or cartwheel out of it or do something and wind up darsh choking somebody. It, it, it's miraculous. And then you've got Kevin Lee, who his game is pretty much dragging you down and setting up the rear naked choke, which I think he disguises extremely well. You don't know if a punch is coming or if he's going to snake the arm under. Who do you got in this one? I got Ferguson. I mean, just on paper, you have to go with the guys, you know, fought, you know, a tougher competition, in my opinion. Uh, just just well versed in every area. You know, there's some fights with Kevin Lee and I'm a big Kevin Lee fan. Like I've interviewed him, you know, a bunch of times. Just a really, really, really nice guy. A guy who's very mature for his age. But I just think he's going to have too much here. Uh, you, you just look back at the Trinaldo fight. Um, that was a fight where Lee wasn't looking so hot. And then he goes out there and he gets the knockout. And he's and you know the Chessa win, a little controversial as well. You know, maybe a, a quick finish there. Um, you know, he just doesn't have the experience that I, uh, Tony Ferguson has had. Tony's been put in every you know bad situation. He's fought the tough of the tough. You know, he sent Rafael dos Anjos, the former champion, packing to 170. I mean, he's been in every type, and and you know even fights where you know he was in trouble, he still pulled it off. Look at the Danny Castillo fight when Castillo was holding him down. Um, Ferguson was still able to you know inflict enough damage to win that fight. So I think experience plays a lot in this. I just think there's no, there's no one in that division like Tony Ferguson, what he can bring to the table. And I just think that Kevin Lee's only chance. I think is to really knock him out. I don't see him being able to submit him or anything like that. Tony's just too crafty. Um, but I will say this for, for business. I think the UFC has got to hope that Kevin Lee wins this fight. Cause yeah. as much as we love Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee can sell some tickets. Yeah. When you got Kevin Lee on the mic, and you got Tony Ferguson on the mic. Well, one Tony Ferguson wears sunglasses and right. all the time. And he's a, he's a little weird. Yes. He's out there. And that he's doesn't an translate. Unusual. He's an unusual dude. Like, the sooner I don't have to hear Tony Ferguson talk, the better, honestly. Because <laughs> I don't know how many times I got to listen to him give career advice to people. You got to fight these people. You got to you gotta bleed. Yeah. You got to look through a telescope and see your future. You got to do it. I don't want to hear that anymore. I'm or watch so him beyond that. Yeah. I'm so beyond it. Man, he's such a talented fighter. Such a good fighter. I hate that we didn't get to see that Habib fight, but... You know, I'm I'm not as pumped for this, but I, I think it's going to be good. What kind of business do you think this UFC 216 show does? I think it does pretty well. Uh, there seems to be a lot of buzz. I mean, you have to wonder too with uh, you know the unfortunately the tragedy if if that's going to impact the card at all, just because it is so close together. You know, some people said they should have canceled the card. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. There, there's a whole debate on that, but uh, I think it will do quite well. I don't think you see any sort of staggering numbers here. Um, you know, I, a lot of people unfortunately still don't know who Kevin Lee is. Um, you know, I know he did headline a fight night card in his last fight, but in general, he's not really a household name. Neither is Ferguson, to be honest. I mean, he's uh, he, he doesn't just have that cachet. And, you know, Johnson, even though he's making history, he's just never translated well to the fans, uh, to certain fans, I should say, because a lot of people really respect him. But uh, I think it'll do reasonably well, uh, you know, ballpark-wise. I couldn't give you a number, but I'll just say it'll do it'll do okay, but it won't do anything special. Let's put it that way. I really always have thought that they should have just showcase Mighty Mouse Johnson on commercials, beating the shit out of dudes way bigger than him. Yes. Like in yes. training. Something like this. You've always got those bar people that are like, well, I can beat Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He's 145 pounds. No. 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 You, I don't care. I don't care. You, you're going to get your ass kicked. That's that's just how it goes down. Yeah. 
No, we they, had the, they, and, and they never, and then, sorry, one other thing I got to say, they never capitalized on his whole video game obsession, yeah. you know, with Xbox and all that. Why do you, why are you not tapping into that? Pretty much, I, I would, I would argue that, you know, the majority of UFC fans own an Xbox or at least play video games. Why are you not tapping into that? Why not have him play against fans as like a regular thing? Like, why did they not capitalize? I don't Twitch know. Twitch is huge. Twitch is huge to the point to where I considered moving this podcast to that platform. Yeah. Like, as opposed to YouTube, it was a real, like, thing I had to weigh regarding revenue and all that stuff. I was like, you know what? Twitch is that big. I had fighters telling me to do it. I had wrestlers telling me to do it. There's wrestling companies that moved to Twitch. I'm sure that they could capitalize on that. They, I, they're just, for some reason, they're, you know, there the, are just some companies that are behind on certain things. And I don't know if UFC quite gets it about the video game thing. Maybe no. there will be one, like, ahead of the, well, not ahead of the time, one mind in that company that steps up and says, okay, we should do this. Let's hop on this. But until then, it's a re- it's really unfortunate that they haven't because, I mean, the, Ronda Rousey was promoted for a long time as, can she beat up Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, that was a talking that point. That was a talking point. Yeah. That was a thing. Yeah. Man. So weird. And we've got this looming uh, Conor McGregor implication over this show. What do you think the fact that he said now, now he watches everything. Let me just say that, get that out of the way. He watches everything, guys. He just doesn't always publicly say, I'm watching this fight. But the man watches like almost every bit of UFC content he can get a hold on based on my interactions with him. What What do you think it says that he publicly went out during one of his media appearances and said, okay, maybe these two guys are worth looking at, when before he had never uttered Tony Ferguson's name, really. I, th- I think it's to just give uh, to keep himself relevant, and I also think UFC is probably like, hey, do you mind mentioning this? You know, we got a pay per view coming up, and uh, yeah. you know, the last time you tweeted something or you know whatever, it, like broke records <laughs> on Twitter, so just kind of help us out with this one. You know, we let you go do the boxing thing. You know, come on, just uh, meet us halfway here. Well, it's like you know, if Ben Affleck, Tom Brady, Robert Kraft. Mark Wahlberg, Guy Fieri, Flea, Anthony Kiedis. None of those guys want to tweet about the company they technically own part of. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well have uh, that Conor McGregor dude do it. Maybe yeah. maybe Mark Wahlberg gave him his shares after all. Yeah, and and you know, and and just on that note, I mean, uh, what you can't take what Connor says for face value. I don't mm. think he fights. I mean, I I don't know. I think I think it's a Diaz fight, and then maybe something else, and then I don't know how much longer he's going to be in this. But I I I'd, I'd be very surprised to see the winner of this fight fight Connor. And I also think you know when he says stuff like "Oh, I fight Khabib in Russia," that's never ever 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 happened. <laughs> no, ever uh, ever. How comfortable would you feel putting a light head or a lightweight title on the line against Nate Diaz? And I don't say that because of like any like like he's not worthy it's will would Nate Diaz ever fight again yeah it's it's all about the money at this point and I think he's played it well that he's held out I'm sure the UFC's given him fights in between but he wants the trilogy fight you know he's gonna you know it's like uh you, you gotta hold out that's how you make the money right that's why Pacquiao Mayweather took so damn long because they wanted more money so it's one of those things where I think that he's gonna do this and if he beats McGregor uh, then yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think for him, it's all about the money. If they're going to pay him the money, he'll fight. If not, then he's going to, you know, uh, just hang out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting one. And you do have an interim champion. If you do do that fight and the winner does not come back, you, right. you do have an interim champion to go on and they can run their mouth and say, well, Connor didn't want to fight me. Nate didn't want to fight me. Yada, yada, yada. 
Yeah, people say this was a dumb move. I don't disagree with the, the you know, I'm not a fan of titles, but I think in this case where you have, you know, Connor and Diaz fighting, you got to let the division kind of move on and, you know, say what you want about Kevin Lee deserving this title shot or not. It definitely makes it more tr- intriguing that it, there is a title on the line here. I think that was a, you know, smart play on on their part with how, you know, we don't know when this Diaz McGregor fight's going to happen and uh yeah, I think, you know, champion not defending his belt for more than a year. I mean, that's, you know, that that's worthy of an interim title. Yeah, it really feels like this division has been at a complete standstill. No McGregor, uh, no Ferguson or Habib because of all the injuries that happened. Even the uh, the fight earlier this year, uh, Eddie Alvarez's fight that went to a no contest. It's like, well, that that kind of well, what what got accomplished there. And Justin Gaethje put not not really put on the shelf that long. I thought it was great how they sped up the tough process, so that was good. Uh, yeah. He was really maybe the biggest thing that happened in that division outside of the Kevin Lee Kiesa fight. Nate Diaz on the shelf, Michael Johnson moving to 145. Uh, Ally Quinta, you never know if he'll fight again. Like uh, on any given day, he he's always in and out. Uh, Anthony Day or Anthony Pettis plays hokey pokey with the division. He wants to go to 145, then come back. So it's weird that there's so much talent in this division, but for the last year, it's really felt like everything's just stayed the same. Yeah, it really has. And, you know, it's interesting they chose Alvarez and Gaethje as coaches because, really, you could have done Gaethje and, and Ferguson for this title fight, and you could have put yeah. Lee on the ultimate fighter. I almost don't know why they didn't do that. But I guess the, to sell this fight, nobody knows who Justin Gaethje is outside of UFC fans. They, they don't. I mean, that's yeah. just the reality of it. He didn't have a Wikipedia page up until, I think, about a year ago. So, Crazy. I mean – yeah, it's it's one of those things where you have to, you know, people talk about the fact that it's turned into an entertainment sport. I get this one because, again, if this was Edson Barbosa and Tony Ferguson, no one would care as much. The fact that Lee's in there popping off, you know, making his comments, he's selling this fight. That's a big reason why a guy who's ranked number seven is in a title fight now. We can kind of draw comparisons to this Dominic Cruz, Jimmy Rivera fight that's booked in December. Yeah. Not a lot of people know who Jimmy Rivera is, but he's a contender in that division and he is uh, somebody who is going to be a big part of that division's future. Dominic Cruz has battled foot issues, plantar fasciitis specifically over the past year. And I think that's a rough thing to battle in that division, particularly, especially his knee injuries and stuff with his type of fighting style, with all the angles, with all the footwork, with the speed. Do you think that will catch up to him and maybe Rivera takes this win? It's, it's not as clear cut as it would have been years ago and and the layoff i mean i know cruz is you know shown that ring he's like the one fighter where you know you can come back after a couple of years and still get a you know an impressive performance but it has to catch up to him right i mean i mean fighters they you know the injuries and the layoffs and things like that those do add up at a certain point and i think rivera is is you know still not in his prime yet i think this is a guy that continues to impress you know he had a tough fight in his last one and he went out there and took care of business and he already has the win over uriah faber so um i think they know what they're doing here you know if rivera gets the win He's really earned it because, again, he's beat, you know, Faber, Almeida, and now it would be Cruz as well. And that's what you have to do. You have to give these – I mean, yeah, no one knows who he is, but at some point you got to give him a big fight. So you do make that name, and I think this is a good matchmaking on the UFC's part. I know some people don't like it. Forget him. They haven't watched Jimmy Rivera fight, if that's the case. Edgar Holloway booked officially. Showdown Joe was supposed to talk to Frankie Edgar on Monday for our our, uh, Holy Smokes MMA podcast interview which you guys can check out Tuesdays 3 p.m. Eastern one of our flagship shows and Edgar kind of canceled on him and I was like oh that's a bummer then we found out why he had a fight announcement uh like literally minutes after they were scheduled to talk 
this is a big fight, a big fight for Holloway, and McGregor Claus gifted the UFC too by really promoting, putting over Max Holloway, a guy that he beat with a torn ACL at one point, by saying, yeah, this is a guy I could fight in the future too. You all should watch out for him. Yeah, uh, excellent match. This is the best fight in, the, in, in Holloway, especially with what Edgar just did the year. Yeah, right. It's, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, maybe not unfortunate for the fans of Detroit, but, uh, you know, it's too bad they couldn't have tried to make this happen in Hawaii. That would just implicate. With that. I, I feel like, um, yeah, we, we don't know. I mean, styles make fights, right? Like when I first saw this matchup announced, I'm like, you know, Holloway probably takes this one, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's one of those matchups where you really don't know what's going to happen uh, in, in the fight. You know, Edgar's that guy, the one guy, you talk about exception to the rule of Dominic Cruz. How about Edgar? He's a guy that's getting older and he seems to still maintain a high level of competition. Yeah. Uh, you know, now at 45 before it was 55. So, uh, yeah, very exciting fight. And, and again, you know, Max Holloway just getting better and better as well, finishing Aldo in his last fight. I can't, that, that's probably got to be one of the best fights this year, I would think. Yeah, there, there's some good fights throughout the end of the year, and there are not a lot of weekends off right. from UFC. Uh, there, there's news that Shogun Hua underwent knee surgery in Brazil. That's a bummer that just emerged uh, today. What do you think that means for his future and his career? Because like I said, he was one like, uh, it was funny because when, when I said it earlier this year, I said one John Jones USADA test away from a title shot. Uh, that, that test just came a little too late. Right. But uh, he's a guy that's still in the top five in his division. And like I said, has won three in a row, but that's bad news. He's had knee problems before. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, the story of his career is two things, injuries and two, maybe not being as motivated as as people would like, uh, not in the best shape in some of those matchups. Um, it's really unfortunate when people see Shogun's UFC career, even though he did win a title, you could almost say in some ways it's been kind of disappointing, uh, especially with the run he went on in Pride. You really thought this was a guy who's going to you know, keep an undefeated record or something along those lines, but it just hasn't happened that way. If he's got another knee surgery, he's got maybe a fight or two left, and I think that's it. And it's, it's uh, yeah, and, and again, with this division and, and how few contenders there are, he could come back and get a win over someone and, and really make noise. And uh, they, they should do the OSP rematch, but uh, who knows if he'll be able to wait that long, uh, depending on how long the surgery is going to take him out. But uh, yeah, I think uh, we're going to see maybe one, two more fights at a Shogun, and, and that's it. He's going to you know head off back to Brazil. Before we go, I want to talk about the funny trajectory of some Ultimate Fighter cast members. Perfect. If in 2014 I were to come up to you, James, and say, in three years, three and a half years, Jessamine Duke's going to fall out of the UFC, but she's going to be involved in an integral WWE storyline. <laughs> and so will Shayna Baszler. By the way, that Matt Riddle guy who was on Tough and smoked himself out of the UFC, he'll be the hottest thing in independent wrestling. Oh, by the way, Roxanne Modafferi, she may be the odds-on favorite to become a UFC champion in three and a half years. What would you have said to me? I would have said you're crazy. I said I would say what the heck's going on? I mean that yeah, it's so weird how um all those situations have sort of unfolded. I mean Jessamine Duke just what a has had one of the worst runs in the UFC. Not and not not to the fault of, you know, her fighting tough competition. She just did not perform well. And, and, you know, Baszler, I think, just got in a bit too late. Uh, good for them for finding something outside of that. And for Matt Riddle, same thing. I think Matt Riddle was just one of those weird cases where the UFC just had this. They, I don't think they liked him. And they, you they know, the like whole him. marijuana thing. And, you know, they, they, they booted him out. But uh, it, it's a shame because had, had they just stuck with him like they did with, like, a Nick Diaz, you know, because Diaz did a who lot knew, of Yeah. 
you know, th- who knows where he could have been at this point because, you know, Riddle's very talented, but hey, he's he's made other other roads and found other success. He's one of those guys I think, you know, has shown that he could be successful at a lot of different things. So, uh, yeah, MMA, never a dull moment in MMA, Sean, honestly. Right. Uh, it does not surprise me at all to, uh, you know, hear of weird things like this. I get the feeling before Matt Riddle is 35, the UFC will want to offer him a fight for some reason. I, I think that I think it'll probably Bellator, be Bellator too. Yeah, I think he'll be in WWE by then, and they'll be like, "Oh, hey, let's let's fix this bridge that we burned. Let's let's get that ready." Uh, the Jessamine and Shayna thing, good for them. I'm glad they found an avenue. I think that uh, training with who they trained with after they left their their local areas really really hurt them. I thought that was. I think uh, he hurt a lot of people, honestly, Ronda Rousey included. So uh, that glad to see that they're, they're finding something else. Uh, Fightful broke the news of Ronda Rousey training in pro wrestling. Glad that she's going to give that a try, too, because I think that her judo skills translate very well. There's stuff that she could do that will look fantastic in a pro wrestling ring that oh, pro yeah. wrestling fans have never seen before. Yeah, and like, just uh, the name—the name value that she still holds. I mean, I you, you go on you go on Instagram. There's still people posting photos of her all the time, and she's not yeah. even fighting. It's crazy. And we're seeing the crossover happen a lot. Like a lot yeah. of people are looking at Matt Riddle specifically, and saying, "Okay, this is something I can do." Stefan Bonner is going to wrestle on Impact's biggest pay per view of the year in a couple weeks, or in, yeah, in a few weeks. Uh, against King Mo, ironically, uh, and Bobby Lashley. Those three are a couple of crossover guys. Tom Lawler, uh, you've seen a lot of people do that, so I think that's a good avenue to go. James, anything else you want to address before we go? No, I think we, we pretty much covered it as far as all the news goes. Um, again, uh, great weekend of fights. I'm really looking oh, forward yeah. to it. I hope uh, all our listeners here uh, enjoy the, 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 the festivities because, um, yeah, this, again, uh, we just you know talked about the UFC card. We didn't even talk. One matchup just quickly I'll mention just because I – Sure. I'm so excited. What a great fight that's going to be on Saturday. Sorry, you cut out a little bit. Which one? Oh, uh, t- Tom Dukenwa and uh, Cody Stane. Oh, yeah. My God. That's, that's a tale of two prospects right there. Two yeah. – Big, big prospects. And this will be one of those fights that kind of derails a guy for a little bit, but won't be, it won't surprise me to see the, the loser of this fight like reel off five or six straight wins after this. Kind of reminds me of uh, Carrington Banks and Steve Cazola. Same sort yeah. of thing. You know, two really – and I don't mind these fights. You know, sometimes people say, oh, you're killing a prospect. Sometimes that's what you need to do to get a guy that much faster to the top. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, of that matchup for sure. And, and, again, don't sleep on Cody Stamen. Uh, never been finished in his career, and uh, he's got that 15-1 record. So, uh, yeah, he's no slouch. The cream rises to the top eventually. It certainly does, yeah, for sure. Guys, of course, we have live coverage and discussion of Bellator, UFC – and WWE Hell in a Cell all this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You can go to our forums. You can go to uh, the live discussion page where I'll be talking as well. Of course, our Twitter, at Fightful Online and at Fightful MMA. Live post-UFC 216 podcast with myself and Showdown Joe. We will also talk the Bellator show. And, of course, the post-Hell uh, in a Cell show. Guys, if you all don't mind, share our stories, Reddit, uh, Facebook, Twitter, anything like that helps. We're still a very young site trying to get out there, but 
James, we are so happy to have you aboard, my friend. I, I'm so happy to be aboard. I, I'm so glad this all worked out. Um, and and of course, you know as well, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be full time freelancing. So I'm going to have lots yeah. of time, lots of content to be contributing to the site. I'm so thrilled about this. I've been a big fan of Sean and the site in general for a while. So it's just cool that we can finally uh, join forces. And uh, your listeners uh, definitely got to check out. I'm going to be doing a lot of interviews for the site, and uh, you know, can always uh, follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. I got to plug that, of course. But uh, no, it's yeah. it's, uh, it's a blast, man. I can't wait. I've I've told Jimmy for a long time, and I was like, this guy is the next Ariel Hawani of MMA journalism. Like you 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 tracked. I mean, to the point to where like there were guys at Bellator NYC who were like, I'm only talking to James because he's the only one that was considered enough to talk to me before. Like you you have a real knack for that. Also, little did you know that when I was in Canada, you were on our reality show, The Ultimate Writer, where everybody who actually showed up to dinner got a job with Fightful. <laughs> yes, and you were exactly. the only one. So That's true. Yeah, and now you got an even better excuse to come back up to Toronto. Now there's two people, you know. Well, I guess I, I was already here, but uh, yeah, we got to, yeah. you know, we'll def definitely do something up and, and come back. Unfortunately, the Jays are not playing right now. It's uh, They didn't make the playoffs. But yeah. what are you gonna do? Hey, you know what? I'm It's hockey <laughs> season. I'm trying to force myself to be a hockey fan. Okay. Like the Blue Jackets, but I feel this connection to Toronto, the city of Toronto. It's a wonderful city. Yeah. So uh, I, I will be back there. But guys, uh, make sure you follow James at Lynch on Sports, correct? Yes, you got it. L-Y-N-C-H. Follow me, follow me at Sean Ross Sapp and follow us at Fightful Online. Until next time, guys, we are out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.